Well, hello and welcome to this uh, special edition of Switch of Play. Mickey, uh, how do you feel about it? We're back. I know I'm a little bit nervous, to be honest. I think uh, all the hype that uh, surrounded our, our uh, coming back. But uh, no, it's great to be back. Great to speak to you, Mark. I know how busy you've been. And, and what a lot of people don't understand is how hard this is, especially for you, to the time it takes to edit and stuff like that. So it is being difficult. But uh, it's nice to be back and nice to be back with... Um, Probably my favourite manager at Hartlepool, one that um, was a big influence on my career and, and, and I spent a lot of time with when as a young coach. So, uh, really good guy, really good manager and, and hopefully he'll have some good stories to tell. He's one that, you know what, I don't think you ever really got to mention about bringing him on, but he's one that I'd really like to talk to. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got to say because, like you, people will ask me who was the best manager you worked with and, and people probably expect you to say Neil Cooper because of what he achieved for. Danny Wilson gets the nod from me every time, even above Neil in terms of that, because he was just he was just uh, superb, superb what he did for the football club, wasn't he? In terms of you know relegation coming in and turning things around as quickly as he did was incredible. Really. Yeah, I think his experience showed. I think obviously he's he's managed before he came to us and um, he'd seen all the scenarios you need to see, you know, and he, he came in and he and he just give everyone a bit of confidence back and he give them sort of a bit of freedom as well to go and play some football and I think the football we played under him was good we obviously were successful and um, but he, he had a demeanour about him he had a, a personality that was infectious and and um, I'm not sure whether a lot of the fans saw that but you will have seen it in the training ground how the, the lads loved him they really did enjoy his company and enjoyed his coaching and enjoy playing for him he had a blend didn't he because you say you use the word gentleman there and that is the perfect way to describe because he is the perfect gent wouldn't swear in front of women very courteous to all the office staff he he, he did everything he was just nobody I would imagine would have a bad word to say about him because he's such a, a lovely fella yeah he isn't and even with the players you know he, he he used to raise his voice but he wasn't a big screamer and shout he didn't swear a lot in the change room or or get upset he was very uh, he, he hid his emotions well If and I think that's key to being a good manager you don't want the players to see where and he used to have a saying that if anyone came in our training ground, they shouldn't be able to tell whether you've won three games on the trot or lost three games on the trot. He said, because you shouldn't show that. It should be every day you work at the same sort of level. And I think that's just experience. He just he had that calm demeanour about him. And I think the players, the players took that off him. Well, what's it like for you tonight? Obviously, you've done these episodes with, with former chairmen, with former managers before, but... This one, you know, he did have he did have such an aura and respect about him. It, it, it must be, is it nerve-wracking? It one? is, it is. I mean, the, the Ken Hodcroft one, I was a bit nervous about that one. <laughs> uh, and a couple of others, Fletcher, I was a little bit nervous because I didn't know Fletcher that well. Um, but this one for me, it's it's almost like if Danny says me to be quiet, I'll, I'll be quiet. You know, it's that sort of thing. And I know he won't be, and as I say, I got on really well with him. I had a great time with him as well and learned so much from him. But um, yeah, it's almost like you're looking up to your to your boss again, and I and um, you go back to being well. He's a gaffer, whatever he says, whatever he says goes. I know since we last did these, Mick, you you stepped back into to football with Glyde Spartans. Are you taking anything that Danny taught you, or anything you picked up into that that role alongside Michael Nelson? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I was going to actually speak. I actually brought to John Hughes um, right. about ten days ago when he got his new job and said, look, I'd love to catch up and have a good conversation. So I'm going to speak to, to, to John just about 
how you would manage a situation. We're in a blight. Obviously, we're we're bottom of the league. We're uh, we're struggling for victories. We're struggling for points, basically. And and it's it's a young team who is in a tough division. Uh, we knew that, but it's it's been hard. But uh, Nelson is really good. He's really ambitious, and he wants to make the players better and move the club forward. So we're just trying to support them as best we can. So yeah, it's been it's tough and it's it's hard. You get back on that bus after a defeat, and no matter what level you're at, it's not nice. So um, yeah, I'll be I'll be hoping to speak to Danny probably off air <laughs> and trying to get some pearls of wisdom from. <laughs> and and lockdown as well. Mickey obviously announced this week again lockdown. I think it's number three now, isn't it? Technically, I guess full on lockdown too, but it's. Horrible news, I guess, for everyone. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, we've the last week we've been self-isolating. Charlie tested positive. Um, yeah. We had my daughter round on Christmas Day and her and a, a boyfriend, a little boy, tested positive. Uh, so we all went for tests and it was only Charlie saying he wasn't positive. And we all thought we had it and it was him that came out. So he's been stuck in his bedroom for four or five days and um, we've been in the house. So it's been difficult anyway. You can't go anywhere. Um, and then... Obviously, we were thinking we'll go back to school and and now we can't do that. So everything's at home again. And it's tough. I think it's tough. The isolation for me has been tough because I can't even take the dog out for a walk or get some real good exercise, which is, I think, mentally, it's, it's good for you. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough time where I think we all have to just help each other out and look out for each other. Well, hopefully this this next hour or so, Danny will help take people's minds off the, the most... I can guarantee it's not now. No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> well, without further ado, um, welcome to Switch Play, Danny Wilson. There, uh, thrilled to have you on, Danny. How are you? Uh, nearly as good as you, Mark. And <laughs> looking at Mickey, he's still fit enough to play again. Him, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't see me gut under the camera. Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a heavy lockdown. <laughs> hey, keep it well, though, Danny. I am, thanks, Mark. Yeah, yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, I, I think, like everybody, we're having. We're having our days, aren't we, when you get a bit uh, frustrated because of the lockdown and, and not so much of the, the last 24 hours, as, we, as we're speaking, now will be locked down again. So, um, yeah, a bit, a bit frustrating and, and particularly, you know, we've got a young grandson as well. So whenever we, we didn't see him over Christmas and, and sons and daughters because uh, I had the COVID over Christmas. Oh. So, um, so we, were, we were on our own, really, my wife and I. So, um, yeah, it's a bit frustrating and then you get locked down straight away, straight after. So it's a bit... Um, Whatever. How, how yeah. did you find that, Danny, with having the COVID? Because I, I spoke to a friend of mine today who was rushed into E&E and couldn't breathe and, and had a yeah. terrible time where other people I've spoken to, just like my son's had it uh, six, seven days ago and, and you wouldn't think it's it's not done anything to him at all. It's so... Well, I've been very lucky, Mickey. I, I'm, I'm, I presume I fall in that second, that second category, just said. I was um, I, uh, the big, the biggest thing I had. I couldn't get off the toilet. <laughs> it's a nice thing to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and, uh, but um, but it was that, and then I was very, very, very drowsy and a bit short of breath. Mm. Um, that's that's really still retained it, really. You know, definitely me certainly. I mean, walking upstairs and you're out of breath and thinking this is this is not right. But you know, you've got to put it down to that. But but thankfully, you know, it's uh, we've been very lucky. That's that's really all the symptoms I've had. You know, and like you said, there's there's, there's loads of people further us off than themselves like you know so we're very lucky in that respect yeah oh good in terms of your career then Danny these days you've taken a step away from management by the sound of things what do you do now for a living um I'm virtually semi-retired Mark I know I you know I, <laughs> this is the frustration thing I thought I'll have a little bit of a time off and play golf crack I've not played <laughs> enough in March probably since March um it's um I, I do a little bit with uh, the League Managers Association 
uh, and I do a little bit with um, a, a company down in London, um, which is it's it's really down at my leisure, really. You know, so it's, uh, it's there's no demands on me, that's for sure. And um, and then when when we could go to the games, you just go watching the games all over the up and down the country, whoever I wanted, really, like you know, and just sit there with without any pressure on. It was it was great. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I felt for the lads on the touchline looking down at them, but it, you know, it's. Uh, it's one of those things. I've, I've done my time. I've had, you know, I can't complain about it. I've had a, I've had a good innings, and um, I think nearly, nearly forty-five years in the game. And I, you know, and with all due respect, I think my wife and my family deserved a bit of time. Um, and I think in that respect, um, that's what they decided to do. You know, we we thought that you know we might just spend a bit more time together, be able to take a holiday now and again. That's unfortunate, not <laughs> like we wanted it to do. But, is that an um, agent? Is that an agent on the phone not offering you that, a job? That's, that, no, that's not. Sorry, I just turned it off. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, and that's where we are. Like you know, that's um, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing now. But uh, I just I can't wait till I get up to to get back to the games again. You know, and just yeah. just go and watch all the games. And um, that you know, you, you never fall into love with that side of it. There's no job that's going to tempt you out of this any retirement. Then there's no management job that would pique your interest. It's fucking loads. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, no, no, I'm being, being, being honest. No, I don't think so. No, I think um, I think I've done my time on the touchline. Um, there's, there's other areas that you know I would consider, but I, I think they're few and far between. Now, I think they, uh, you know, you got to sometimes lift your hat and say thanks very much. Yeah, yeah I know, Danny. We've I've spoken to Mark about this before, and when I left football and I started working in school. And, and I used to say, to, what did you miss? And the thing for me was, I miss seeing people. I miss going to games. I miss catching up with people. And and you do miss that side of it, don't you? You miss oh, yeah. just bumping into a friend that you maybe haven't yeah. seen for a couple of couple of months and just catching up with someone at a game. Was it because I think it's part of your life, isn't it? It's part of what you've done for so long. Well, it is. I mean, and like I say, I think we're all social animals, really, I think, in a lot of respects. And, uh, you know, I think from that point of view, that's, that's what you do miss. Um, I know in most in, in a lot of football, if you move around a bit, you 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 tend to be passing ships in the night with your with your teammates and whatever, and, and and possibly clubs away that managers move around nowadays. You know, with the, the shortage of time that they're given. So, um, but I think really you do you do get you get good friendships as well. You know, you 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 get great bonds, and it's great just just meeting up with people. You know, and, and you're seeing for ages and seeing what the their uh, take on life is in football now or whatever it may be or whatever they're doing and or even players that are still playing you, you know looking after looking at their uh, their careers and how they're going on and and that's a good thing from my point of view I still keep in touch with quite a lot of people which is great and particularly this time you know we, we can't do anything else but this at the moment in time which is uh, which is handy really because he's taught me how to, how to work this thing but <laughs> but uh, it's great you know it's great I just anyway, just pick the phone up or have a chat with somebody like this it's fantastic I mean you say there about you know all, all the years you've spent, what was it over 600 games as a player? You got 24 caps for Northern Ireland. You, you managed over a thousand games as well. I mean, would that have it's, the game's been so good? Would you have ever thought that that was the kind of career you could build when you were coming through the ranks in the 70s? No, no, absolutely not. I think when um, when I first, I'm assuming Mickey will, will back me up on this. When you first sign your your contract when you're a young boy at a, at a professional football club, you think. Let me know you've you've arrived. This is the world's here, but that's just when the, the hard work starts, you know. And um, and I think from that point of view, you know, I, we just I think if you work hard in, you know, I think you make your own luck sometimes. 
Um, if you've got that commitment to to what you want to do uh, and don't play at it, you know, I think it gets noticed. And uh, and I think that's where you get a bit of longevity in, in your playing side of it, particularly. On the on the management side of it, it's, a lot of it's just look. A lot it's down to results. It's down to the players you have around you. You know, is your recruitment good? If you can afford recruitment, that is at times. You know, there's lots and lots of good managers out there that's in the, you know, the second division, National League, second division, first division, who possibly won't ever get a chance, you know, to to go to the big ones. Uh, and they're doing a great job there with the resources they've got. And it's, it's really tough, you know, outside of the Premier League. I'm not saying the Premier League is easy, but it's really tough outside of there. You know, and it's proper management. You know, you don't go and your left back gets injured and you don't go and buy another one for 10 million quid. You know, your left back gets injured, you go and borrow somebody for 200 quid up the road at, you know, from, I don't know, some a team that's on your level who, who wants to get him off the wages or something. You know, it's, it's very, it's very, very hard. And, uh, but it, it teaches you how to manage and how to manage properly, you know, and it's not always thankful, you know, it's, it's not always a thankful job, you know, but it, but it does teach you the, the proper um, way to manage and, ma- and try to manage the players, depending on the years. And, and then if, if you're going along and you're lucky enough to do, have a little bit of success, uh, even if it's not, particularly all about results it's about maybe even bringing his players through you know maybe being able to coach players to come through and things like that you know I think that gets noticed um, and then if you're looking at a, a, a vacancy somewhere you might be fortunate enough to to slot in there it's, it's a lot of luck it's, it's luck along the way with the military but like we always say it's, 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 uh, it's results driven most time from a manager's point of view and sadly you know you've got a good right hand man at you and you're not getting a good result his right hand man loses his job as well you know, it's it's a real, it's a, it's a tough nut, really. It's um, not always easy when you when you know you've got good people around you. Yeah, I remember Danny, you telling me when I was stepping into coaching, and and I, I didn't probably realise at the time what you were telling us, but you said to me, "Look, Mickey, the one thing I can guarantee you is you'll get sacked at some point." Yeah. <laughs> and at the yeah. time, I was like, "Oh, I yeah. was, I was like, no, I'll never get sacked." But then you realise <laughs> that yeah. no matter whether you have one good season, ten good seasons, you will get sacked at some point. Well, well, you will, Mick, and I, and, and I. Now, I think really the that was the type of, of uh, advice I had really, but it was really to make me aware that everybody has it, so it's not a personal thing. You know, yeah. it's not something that you've you failed at. You know, maybe there's there's lots of circumstances in every club that you that you, you get the you know you, you don't have the have the the time that's needed to to produce winning teams if you like. But I think the other side of it, I think it's it's not always the um, you know the individual that's at fault. So I don't think if you if you take it personally. You'll very rarely come back it back into it again. If you if you can have a tough skin, if you like, and rhino skin, and, and get through it, and say, you know what, I did. I thought I did all right there, by the way. You know, not really, not not kidding yourself, but thinking, yeah, I didn't do that particularly well, but I did that well. We brought that through, and look at that player now, and what we've done for the club, we kept him in the league, and whatever it may be. And I think when it comes to things like that, I think you know that's that get that going gets noticed. But I think the most important person in in this scenario was yourself. You know, you can't be too you can't be too hard on yourself. You've got to, you have got to pick yourself up again and go again and be, have that belief that, you know, what you're doing was right and what's and and, and what's around the corner is is a, an opportunity for you again. Yeah, Danny, the, just take you right back to to when you were sort of growing up. One of the questions that someone asked on the Twitter was, "Who was your idol? Who was your footballing sort of? Who did you want to be when you're in the school ground?" Oh, easy, it, easy. Uh, a lot of people will not remember him. Mickey, you might not, maybe you won't, Mark. Like, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, well, you might do, actually. He was one of the Liverpool greats. Where one of, he, he, was, he was a player at Liverpool. I'll, I'll give you a little quiz question here. He was a player at Liverpool who played all his career 
and never got booked until the last game of his career at Liverpool. He'd never booked in his whole career. Who was that? Well, be your age. I won't. I won't. <laughs> Ian Callaghan. All right. Lily Ian Callaghan for Liverpool. And um, and I think we, because uh, I, I was, I went to Liverpool a few times to watch him as a young lad. And when they had Roger Hunt and all these boys playing, like, you know, and uh, St. John and all these. But um, Callie was, was, he was my, I knew I was only going to be that size. I'm going to be a dwarf like him. And I think, you know, I think, here we go. That's what chance, you know. But I thought, well, if he can do it, I think I can do it. And, yeah. and I, I, I always used to love him playing. He was, he was tidy. He was quick. He was very competitive. Um, so he, that it was an easy comparison to ask me about that one because I used to love, I used to love to watch him. So was that your team growing up, Liverpool? Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were about thirty minutes from where we lived. Right. Um, I, I, I'm right on the cusp, really. I could have gone. Manchester's similar. <clears throat> um, Liverpool just slightly going away, but my brother-in-law. Um, was an Evertonian, um, and he was he went to watch Everton now and again. But I kept pestering about Liverpool, so he started to take me to Liverpool, and um, and that's where he, I didn't I didn't really, I didn't really fall in love with them, but I followed them all the time, you know. But they were a little bit too far away to go and watch every week, and we couldn't afford to go every week anyway, you know. I think mm. once every couple of months would be massively a, a bonus from my point of view. Um, but we used to go to the odd European games, and they they're amazing, you know. And European night at Anfield were fantastic. Uh, I went to my first one was uh, Dynamo Tbilisi, and um, and the UEFA Cup was absolutely amazing night. Um, and and I think that's what that's that's wanting you to want to play professionally, not just go kick a ball around the street. You want to play in front of of the cop, you know. And um, and I did. I got battered every time, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Never won a Liverpool, I don't think. But, uh, but I played in front of him anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was a sub there once with Middlesbrough and I made sure in the warm-up I scored in both goals. So I was like, yeah, I've scored in both of those goals. <laughs> when, you, when you got into your playing career, Danny, what, was, what were the... You had plenty of highlights, didn't you? I think you, you, you got a couple of finals, you, you won a cup, you, you, did, you scored some memorable goals. What are the particular standouts for your journey playing days? Um, you know, it's, it's difficult... I ask people ask questions like this, you know, all over really, Martin. I think it's a difficult one to ask answer because I've had I don't know how many clubs I've had seven or eight playing clubs, something like that. And every club that I've played for, I've loved every minute of every of every every club I've been, I've been with. You know, with the, the the players that I've been playing with, <clears throat> they've always fallen a great bond, and the dressing rooms have been good. Um, you know, we weren't always the most fancied team, but we also upset a lot of teams along the way, like Luton, for instance. You know, we. You know, we could never really cope with Man United, but we did, and we can. Um, you know, we finished third in the league one year, in the Premier League. You know, so I think in all things like that, you know, we, the unfancied teams that were played for, but always been great, great times, winning cups with. You know, we, like say with uh, with Luton. You know, no, nobody ever thought Luton would ever win a cup, particularly you know not against Arsenal. Crails on a bit, you know, it's, that's not allowed. But we did on the day. You know, and it, every dog has his day. You know, it was just our day that day, and. Uh, so, you know, little things like that. You you know, I can remember playing for Berry. You know, Berry, I played him um, in front of 8,500 people at Berry. You know, and that was in a reserve game against Liverpool, who had Tommy Smith, players like that, playing in the reserves. That was a Central League game. And the average the average um, crowd for Berry at the time was about 3,000. And then the midweek game on the, on the, the uh, Central League, 
was was the best league that was ever out. All the top players played in the reserves. And uh, so I'm going down my first game. I mean, what's going on here? I can't believe this. And it's only a reserve game. <laughs> oh, well, stuff I got picked for first team. <laughs> Three thousand no, dollars, isn't it? <laughs> but the, no, there's, there's great highlights, and it doesn't have to be about winning things, Mark. Honestly, I, I, I look at it, and I also look at it similar with with management. You know, it's not always about winning things. We can't all win things, but I've I've always been quite positive in the in the way that I made sure I enjoyed every minute of of my time and. And because I was very, very privileged to be able to play professional football, you know, when, when you look around of how many millions of kids would love to do it. Yeah. Danny, I've, I've always said, and I'm not just saying it because you're on the show tonight, but me personally, I took a lot from you as a manager. And I know when you first came in, I was unsure whether I was going to play football, but the way you manage people as people and not just footballers, was a, it was a big eye-opener for me and and no matter who was in our squad at the time I remember people I remember Gavin Stratton going to you he was going I'm going to have Danny today I want to tell him this that and you this that and you that and we were coming out and everyone was waiting for him to come out thinking there's going to be a fight in there always. and he come out and he was like yeah everything's fine and I was like, <laughs> yeah, how, how can you go in that angry and come out that calm but well, it's it, managing people isn't it it's it, it is I mean listen I've been there I've been where Gavin has, is you know and I've, I've I've not played games and when I thought I should be playing and, you know, we've all got our opinions and we're not always right, you know, but, um, and, and sometimes we are right, by the way, you know, Gav had a, had a great case, you know, he didn't play many games really from, from my point of view, but, you know, the, you, you, you're taking yourself away from the person or the personality when you pick the team, you're picking the team for the team, you know, and it's hard to take sometimes if you're not in that starting 11 on the day, but your time will come again. Because, the, you know, the, the players that you have at your disposal, in most cases, they're not mugs, they're professional football players, you know, and, and they're there for a reason because you've got a talent. Um, but it's how you define that into the 11 that plays on any particular day. And I think, you know, with Gavin, yeah, he had, listen, he had a fiery temper like his, like his dad, don't worry about that. <laughs> but, um, but Gavin, I, I got on very well with Gavin, believe it or not. Yeah. I, did, I, I know him, you know, quite well. Um, and he, he, had a, he had a case, he had a case, but at the time, you just think you do what's right for the team at the time. But you just need to say you have to fall over with anybody. You know? Yeah, I remember going, doing exactly the same as Gavin. And I was like, <clears> I'm, I'm putting my case forward today. And I remember, and I spoke to you about this afterwards when I was coaching. And, and I know it's a tactic you use. is like, so I'll come in and say, Gaffer, why am I not playing? And you'll turn around, well, Mickey, you give me a couple of reasons why you're not playing. So I'll be like, well... My training's not been very good. My passing's been a bit off. Go away and work on them, son, and you'll be back in the team. And then, but then you haven't said like a negative towards me. I've not gone away and said, oh, he says my passing's crap. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Yeah. And it, it is, it's something where you come out of it and think, he still thinks I can play in the team because yeah. he's not said anything bad about me. Well, the thing is as well, your self-criticism, again, will help you because you're identifying things in your game that you need to get better at. Um, and I've not said I, f- To be fair, I had more than two. Vicky, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, mate. You were a very consistent player, by the way, week in, week out. That's why you played. But, but what I'm saying is that in, in, in that respect, you know, it's like you, you ask somebody a question, they'll, they'll answer the question themselves and then wonder why you went in the first place. It's yeah. Of that. But, you, but when you're on your own and you're, and you're fuming and your mates are giving you a little bit of that in your ear and you're getting wrong in some, you know, and... And when you actually go in and you actually analyse, you sit down rationally and you think about it, you think, well, you know what? I was crap the other day training. Or, you know, I wasn't crap. No, I don't. I'm not having that. Whichever way you want to land, land on it. 
you know, but and then that's back to the manager again to 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 help you to understand why it is that he's picking this particular team up at that particular time. But the one thing I've I've tried not to do ever is have a confrontation with players because I know I will need them, and I know yeah. that we'll play again. And if you if you lose them in that in those those silly moments in a, in a, in an office when you both get your heads together and you're butting, they'll never get it back. You know, and and he might need me to play games and put him in the team, and I might definitely need him to help the team. You know, so that's why that's the reason why I did certain things like that is because. When you're at clubs like like I just talked about, there we haven't got ten million pounds to go by another five players because I don't like one of them that's playing there. You know, you had to find a way to get the the, the success and the team togetherness, and I think that's one way that you did it. You kept everybody together, and you 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 tried to make people feel part of of what you're trying to do. A little bit special, I suppose. Now and again, I mean, you, sometimes you you know you have to fluff it up a bit, which is understandable. Some some people have different egos than others, and some are maybe not quite as honest as to themselves as others other ones are. But there's a way to deal with them as well, like, you know. You obviously gave a, quite a lot of thought to that approach, though, because you were quite into the psychological and the mental side of the game as well. But I, I remember, you know, floating around, as I do, on the periphery of a squad at, at Hartlepool through the years, very often the players who were out of the team are the ones who were going, he's fucking useless, this guy. I don't know why he got the manager's job. Yeah. But, Honestly, without like, there's there's an example of a player saying to me, um, "I'd run through a brick wall for Danny Wilson. He couldn't get anywhere near your starting level, but he, he still you still somehow had a had a grasp over him. You know, it was a, it's a bit of a talent that again. Well, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think you've got to look at the player that's doing that. I think that's that's a sign of a, great, a very good pro. Whoever whoever that is, whoever's saying that to you, whoever has that attitude in training. That's the type of pro that you want at your football club. You don't want the one that's whinging all the time and throwing his toys out of the pram every time there's, it doesn't go his way or what have you. Because it it, it it gets them worse and worse in a worse state of mind and a worse mental state. But it starts to piss your mates off as well. You know, it, it's, you get sick of hearing it. Oh, listen, what's wrong with calm down? Particularly if the team's doing okay and you, and you, and you want to enjoy a bit of, a bit of success or yeah. you know, a few results that's going your way at that time. You've got to enjoy the wins. You know, you can't. Football is a wonderful, wonderful game, and and certainly a fantastic, you know, uh, lifestyle. Why, why, why worry? You know, what, why get upset about it? Just it's a privilege, but it's sometimes difficult to to put that over to a younger pro in particular. But the one that you're talking about there, who has an attitude, you know, that's that's all you need from a manager's point of view. That's all you want to see on the training ground every day. And I guess. You know, by the time you got to Hartlepool, there was there was ten years behind you as a manager. It's turned you turned to management very early on, didn't you? At, at yeah. Barclay, and, and, it, and it was a real success for you. Um, again, it's, it's just fortunate. It's, I was I was in the right place at the right time, really, Mark. I think um, been at Sheffield Wednesday, and we've been we had we had a good team there. And uh, Viv, as you know, you know, know Viv, and you know my mate, and and um, Viv got asked to go to Burnsley's play manager. Um, he went to talk to John Dennis, who was the chairman then. Um, and John said, yeah, yeah, we want you to come, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, I'll come if I can bring Danny. Now, in that respect, i just been offered a new contract stage after Wednesday. And I thought, you know what, will I get a chance again to do this? I don't know. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, I was 30, I was 30, uh, 32, 32 at the time, I think I was. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to get a 10 year contract here. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay. So I thought, well, why not? You know, I've, I've nothing to lose. 
Um, and we went in there and then, you know, he, he, you know what things happened after Viv went on to Middlesbrough with, uh, with Robbo, which he always said he was going to do. He never made any hit any fact that if he got the opportunity to work with Robbo, he would. Yeah, and he was still playing in the reserves ahead of me when he came to Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably right, yeah. about, he, was, he used to just pick himself with the reserves. And honestly, he would, I don't know how old he was at the time, but he would stroll through reserve games, yeah. literally not even be out of breath. Yeah. And I'd be sitting on the bench thinking, <laughs> how is he that good still playing in the reserve game? He was a good player. Well, he was a, he was a quality player, weren't he? You know, and uh, and he, and he was a, and a great, great character as well. Oh, you know, fantastic. And, uh, well, you, you know him, Mickey. Um, yeah. And he's uh, and he's not, not changed, by the way. I see, I still see him, you know, frequently apart from this lockdown. Um, so, um, but I think from from that that day there, you know, Viv decided to go and and we'd done okay, really. I was playing, I was a player coach at the time, and I felt as fit as I've ever felt. I really did. I was I was thirty three at the time. In the, when I when I when Viv left, I think I was 34 when I got player manager's job, and I felt as fit then as I was when I was 21. I, I really, but I couldn't I couldn't manage everything altogether. It was just too yeah. too much of a workload. So I, I just consciously decided that you know enough's enough. I'm going to finish this season off, retire gracefully if I could, and um, and then just concentrate on the the, the managing side of it. Um, unfortunately, the you know the uh, the the owner, the chairman there. He wanted that continuity, like I said, and uh, he said, "Would you take the job?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'll have a go." And um, it just—we were very lucky. It just—it just went our way for a couple of seasons, which was great. Danny, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you, you signed a couple of Middlesbrough players, didn't you? John Henry and and Wilkwo, Was that? Yeah, yeah. Paul yeah. Was that in the team that got you promoted? Yeah, they—they they, um, they were the final. We had um, we had Wilco first, Paul Wilkinson right. first, and because um, I. Obviously, knowing Robo and, and Viv as well, I said, "Come on, do us a favour. Let's have let's have one of your strikers. You know, just just tide us over." I said, "We can't afford anything. We got we get two bob, you know, and a couple of packs of crisps if you, you know. We, but we'll definitely give him you. You know, can you have them all up front?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, he did. They did us a favour. They give they gave us uh, Wilco. Uh, we could afford him a uh, Wilco, and uh, and it was going okay really. But we just needed that little bit of. Bit of cleverness that we needed up top, like you know, we felt we had a little, yeah. we, had a, we had a good little team. We had a team that that was um, unknown and unheard of with all the players. Clint Marcel, you never heard of him, like you know, a little Martin Bullock. Yeah, didn't, you know, nobody knew about him, but they could play, yeah. and they were quick and they were dynamic and they, they turned defenses. You know, they were, they were great. But we needed that that experience, and then Wilco came and they were great. Um, and then I just thought, well, you know, they've, they've got promotion together at Middlesbrough. Him and John Henry. You know, and he's not in the team. John's not in the team up at Middlesbrough. You know, I say, well, come on, how much is going to cost us? So I did. So I, I managed to um, have a chat with the chairman who twisted his arm a bit. Said, come on, look at this duo. What, what about duo would have here? And they did, and it, and it worked out perfectly. The pair of them, they they helped us get promotion. I mean, you, you can't take away from everybody that you know the how they um, complemented each other and what their contributions were, but. Neil Redfern got 28 goals that season from midfield. Incredible. John Henry, incredible, it was incredible. John Henry and uh, and Paul Wilkinson were just the icing on the cake for us, you know. So take away all how good the rest of the boys have been, but those those three in particular were a, were a massive, massive contribution to him. And the two strikers were great. Yeah, I bet John was good in the dressing room because I think as a yeah. young pro at Middlesbrough, he was the first sort of senior pro that. I, saw in the dressing room that was just he was non-stop he was always oh. doing something making people laugh or yeah. 
and it was the first one where I thought, you know what, he is sort of the person you need in your dressing room on a day-to-day basis because he was great value. He was always yeah. doing something daft or, or winding people up. Or, do you know what I mean? He was just that type of character that was great to have around. No, spot on, Mick. I mean, that, that was the other side of it as well. You know, not just getting him onto as a player. I had to find out what type of character he was. So I say to him, yeah. the robot watch later, oh, you've got to get him. He's absolutely hilarious. Get him in your dressing room. He says, if any players are a bit uptight, get him in there. And he says, you've been playing like that. You've been laughing when you're playing. And, and he was that. He settled everybody down. And particularly, you know, the, the back end of the season when they start getting a little bit nervous and, you know, they can see maybe a little bit of success coming. You know, they tighten up a bit. No chance. He, he just mm. he just carried on as normal. Like, you know, he, he was brilliant. I've got a couple of, I mean, I'll not tell both of them, but a couple of stories of John on, on you know, the, the trips when you go away as a club. And I, again, I was a young pro. <clears throat> And one trip, I can't remember whether it was Portugal or somewhere, he offered Brian Robson, he said, I've heard all these stories about you, Gaffer, but I don't think they're true. Let's have a drink. And no, play. my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but two hours late, it was flat. Nobody's <laughs> 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 true. And Rob, Rob was like, yeah, it looked like you still drive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry about that. It is true. Don't worry about that. I promise uh, you. Uh, you, don't, you, won't, uh, you won't get in a battle with, uh, with Rob like that one, I tell you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> When, when you moved on from 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 Barnsley, obviously the, the Sheffield Wednesday job, it was such a you know there was such a lot of high profile players there at the time as well. What was that experience like? What what do you take when you reflect on that now? Well, you've got to remember as well. I was only 30, 35 years old. You know, very very young. Um, I had two. I had one season, one season a bit, maybe two seasons as a as a manager, player manager, stroke manager. So I'm very wet behind the ears, you know, but, um, but because things are going well, people take notice, you know, and the results are going well and we've been all right. Went into the Premier League. We were always, we were always going to have a, have a chance of, of coming back down again with Barnes and we just didn't have the, you know, the, uh, the players. End of story, uh, the matter you how we dress it up, we, we couldn't compete in the Premier League. We weren't good enough. Um, so it, it was inevitable as the, as the season went on, that, that that was going to be happening. Although we made a good fist of it towards the end, we thought we might just, sneak out of it anyway but we didn't um, and then I would, go, I would go there and then you know they've got some big hitters there Decanios your uh, Carbonis you know Des Walkers you know all, the, all these lads who, who were there and um, and it was a big challenge really big challenge but they had struggled the last couple of seasons as well you know and um, they only really just picked us I think they finished about four points five points above us um, when we were relegated at Barnsley and that was on the back of them beating us 1-0 or 2-1 at um, Hillsborough and the Canio getting the winner. And that put that gap between us and it really lifted them out of the, of the danger. But they were in danger virtually all the season, right to the death as well. You know, so going in there was going to be a big challenge when I, when I went in there anyway. So and, was there uh, still, still players there, Danny, who you played with, I take it, that were they're still there or not? Not really, no. 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 I, I mean, the young ones, like Richie Humphreys and people like that, you know, they, they were there. Yeah. Uh, but they were young ones. I didn't play with them, um, but I knew them. Um, right. I knew I knew quite a few of the boys that uh, that had come through the ranks and were still, you know, still hovering around the first team or in the first yeah. team or whatever. Yeah. But to, but generally no. Which which from my point of view was was quite a blessing, really. You know, because it it's very difficult to go in a dressing room that you've played with and then man, try and manage it. You yeah. know, it's. I mean, I don't say you can't do it, but it's it's it's, it's a problem you don't really want. You know, it's uh, it's really, you'd rather not have it than. Than, than have it like you know because yeah, it's, it's difficult to say Mickey all right Mickey coming for a pint mate Mickey call me boss yeah well, hold on a bit 
you know. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. That, but it is difficult. You'd rather not have it than have it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was I've heard so many podcasts um, talking about De Canio as a manager and, and stuff like that, and he just sounds <laughs> wild. What was he like to manage as a player? What what could he, what did he was he just ridiculous every day or was it something new every day? Oh, there's new something new every day. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like I've got I've got a million and one stories. I wish I could write a book. I'm, I, I don't write it, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, I, he was from being from being absolutely ridiculous to being sublime. You know, he could he could he could flick on and off like that as a personality and as a player. He was a but what a player. I'll tell you a nice story. <clears throat> when, when I got the job, when I just got the job, Ron Atkinson was a manager before me. So I said to Ron, um, and, and Ron did well, you know, for, for Wednesday when I was there. I said, Ron, I've been asked to go to Sheffield Wednesday. What do you think? He says, Dan, take it. I said, well, he said, I'll tell you why it's take. He said, the crowd know you. The crowd like you. You've been successful with them. He says, um, you know all the staff. He says, uh, the, the, the coaching staff. Um, he said the fans would be great. He says, and they've got some good places. Just take it. Right, okay, so I take it. So we go the first day of pre-season. Uh, Paolo doesn't turn up. Oh, fuck it. Anyway, so second day, not so So we get on the phone to him. He says, Paolo, where are you? Oh, mister. He says, I, uh, Big Ron, he said, I could have two extra weeks off. <laughs> I went, what? He said, I, uh, Big Ron, he says, I could have two extra weeks off. I said, okay. And I said, um, <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself, if I phone Ron up and Ron says, no, I didn't, I'm in an argument straight away. You know, who do I believe? Do I believe Ron? Do I believe him? You know, Ron could wind me up and say, I never said anything. You know, so it's, I thought it's not worth it. So the second, or the, the third week of training, we're down at Bisham Abbey, which is, a, which is the old FA headquarters, really, or where they used to do the, the training. And um, so we're giving directions and everything to come there and meet us on Monday morning. So sorry, comes in, morning, mister. That's what they call them, the managers. Morning, mister. Morning, Paolo. Nice to meet you. Right, Paolo, you're going in that group there. Uh, the rest of the group are going to come on here. You're going to go with the fitness coach. No, I don't go with any fitness coach. I went, no, Paolo, you've not trained for two weeks. No, I'm as fitter than any person here. I'm a fit man. I have no personal training. I do everything myself. I've been, also, I don't need him. I went, Paolo, we're doing, we're doing 800s, you know, the 400 meters runs, 200s, 100s, 50s, 25, back up to 800s. Yeah, you know, on, on a track and, it, and the lads are flying and we've got some fit boys at the club at the time. <laughs> anyway, so I says, uh, I said, no, no, I'll come. So I said, right, you're going in, the, put him in the fastest group. Hey, put him in the fastest group. Get him in there. And I got, right, like, so I, Carlton Palmer, whoever it was, I can't remember it was in, the, in there now, who could run. So he gets in there and we set off and he's going in, 800s, all the way back, back to top again. Been going for about three quarters of an hour. I said, well done, boy, brilliant. He won every fucking race by one. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, he won every race by one. Brilliant. He was yeah. such a fit boy. And I, I remember he'd tell you as well, but he was fit you now. Good Yeah, boy. I remember speaking to Richie about it, and Richie was saying he was just <clears> like he rem- he sort of remembers looking at him and thinking, he just the way he looks after himself and everything. Yeah. He, he's obviously he's a little bit out there as a person. Oh, yeah. But just yeah. Everything yeah. about him, he's like a yeah. professional, like to the end sort of thing. Oh, he was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you could you could never question his fitness when he when he played. It was you know, it was a clever player, and you'd look at sometimes you think is he, is he walking around? He's just clever on the pitch. He knows where the space is. He knows to pick the space up. He's not going to start chasing 
fullbacks up and down the line or centre forwards. You know, it will do to a certain degree, but then he'll just he'll just come on. Somebody else has got to pick this pattern up here now. But when you get the ball, look where I am, type of thing. Yeah. And he was very clever, very intellectual player. Yeah. What What was it like off the pitch, Danny? Because I went into Sunderland when he was manager of Sunderland. I went with John Hughes, and and we spent a day. We watched training in the morning with him and Fabrizio. And then on the afternoon, he, he walked us around every part of the training ground. Yeah. He was he, he grabbed hold of some youth team players. He was sprinting with them. And he was telling us about this run that he'd seen some centre-forward do. And I came home and I was I was shattered. Just, yeah. I couldn't keep up with the tempo of him. Very was intense. He like, was yeah. he like that? Uh, very intense. Oh, I love football. He, he absolutely lived and breathed football. He, he was so intense. In, in everything he did. And even when I, when I speak to people about him uh, as a manager as well, you know, when it's Swindon and then up at um, Sunderland, exactly the same. You know, he, he expected everybody to be like him, to live and breathe football every second of the day. And if he didn't, he'd be thinking, you know, why, why not? What's wrong with you? Like? You know, and if you put a bit of weight on, he'd say, hey, fatty, look at you. Like, you, know, he'd, he'd, you know, he wouldn't mess around. He'd tell you, you know, you can't run, you're too fat. Go and get, you know, go and get sorted out. Get some, uh, get some, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, fitness, food, and, and and whatever it may be. Also, he he would really, really, really go to town. Very, very professional. Yeah, yeah. You 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 were the manager that did. I think I'm right. Yeah. I'm right in saying I'm pretty sure that when he pushed the referee over, were you you were the manager then, weren't you? I was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was that like? And what what? Mr. Alcock. Mr. Alcock, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my good grief. I've never seen somebody go down. Man, you, I have nowadays in the Premier League. I've seen him go down for less than that. But, uh, it was pathetic at the time. Yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd done. He hadn't. They were kicking. He were playing Arsenal, and they were kicking lumps out of him. You know, and uh, and this particular time, it was um, it was the left back Nigel Winterburn, and um, he'd had a little peck at him, and um, so he just turned back on him, and he was giving the referee a bit of something, and the referee gave it, oh, and he just pushed him away. When you see, you can see it now. He just. He never touched him. He went down in about three stages, didn't he? But um, but that one, fortunately, was the end of him for Sheffield Wednesday. You know, it was um, he was sold after that. Um, my chairman at the time said nobody else is going to buy him. I've had all, I've had a word from every champ, uh, every Premiership um, manager, uh, sorry, chairman that they're not going to touch him with what he's done. It was worth about six million pound on the open market, I suppose. Then, and he went to West Ham for a million and a half. Yeah, Annie, you you might be able to help us. Richie's got a still of that that actual incident where he's in amongst it, and he always tells me he was going there to help Paulo, but it looks like he's running away the other way. <laughs> <to me. laughs> now, the, the, only, the thing I remember most of everything is, is where that he went. He went like that to go to Winterburn. Oh, Winterburn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, that, I think that was a classic bit that one. But uh, thankfully, you know, listen. Thankfully, he got back into the into the English game. Because what he did at West Ham and how he, he entertained the fans and the goals he scored were absolutely amazing. You know, it'd have been it'd have been a, a far worse place without somebody like the Canny and and his personality as well. You know, he's got he's got a great character about him. Yeah. Did did you try and keep him, Danny, or was there no way you there could no keep way. him after that? He got a ten game ban, <clears throat> something like that, I think it was. Um, but he didn't want to come back from Italy. He, he just right. said, "I'm not coming back." Did you, um, you once said to me, I think he was more or less on a flight to Italy by the time the game finished, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He was away. Straight away. But in fairness to him, our chairman had said to him, get him back into Italy, get, tell him to go home, right. to get him out of the, all, the whole uh, flora, which we knew was yeah. going to kick off. You know, and uh, unfortunately, we were there. <clears throat> we, was a, we as a staff had to be there to face the music. Well, we didn't know. What, what could we do? You know? But at the same time, um, there was a bit of a, 
it was a bit of a, a skullduggery where where you didn't get the, the the proper finance for him for what that quality of player he was. When you get a millionaire for a player of like that, come on, oh, come on, hold on a bit, you know, he, he was worth a fortune, and and six million pounds at the time was a lot of money. And the fallout from that, Danny, I know what it would have been like in a dress room if you were one of the other players. You would have gone in there, you would have been probably laughing about it on, in training. How did you manage the fallout from it? Um, well, it went on for so long, I just left it upstairs. I said, right. listen, you, 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 you've caused this problem. I, you know, I, all I was doing was supporting him. You've caused a problem now. You've got, some, you've got to live with this now. You've sent him over there. He's going to get a 10-game ban. It's how you deal with this side of it now. Do you, do you open him rounds and say he made a mistake and, and bring him back into the fold and let everybody know you're trying to do that? And then the other side of it said, well, he doesn't want to come back. There's nothing we can do. And to a certain degree, we did that at the end. But we should have been doing that straight away, you know, in, in, uh, in that respect. Um, but again, like I say, if I was another 10 years older, I possibly would have dealt with it better. You know, but being a young one there and, and, and a time, I'd never seen anything like that before. And then the stuff that went on after it, you know, it was just, it blew the Burnsley Chronicle out the, out the water, like, you know, from <laughs> News of the World to every every daily newspaper. Sundays were loving it. And and uh, when he only had to do deal with the Sheffield Star or something like that, you know, <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was tough at the time. It, just, it was relentless. It never stopped. Without wanting to rush you through your managerial career, I am keen to, to, to get towards the, the, the heart of the pool of points. Yeah, come and, and and obviously, I think I think you were MK Don's manager, weren't you? That as partly through <laughs> being relegated, MK Don's were were coming down alongside, and and you got the opportunity then to to come into Hartlepool. How did it come about? It seemed to be done fairly quickly. It was done quickly. In fact, very quickly. Um, Chris Turner for me. Chris gave me a ring and just said, "Listen, you know, we know that you've gone there. and It's been tough down there, which was another tough another tough gig. You know, they had uh, they were trying to get some sort of um, I can say." some sort of credibility for moving AFC Wimbledon, if you like, to MK Dons, basically. And, um, and so there's a lot of, a lot of fiora surrounding the football club and Peter Wilkham, Pete Wilkerman, who was the owner. And um, so that was a tough one anyway. He said, well, you know, we didn't think it was fair what happened to you. And we'd like to come up here and have a chat with us. So I said, yeah, no, absolutely no problem at all. And, and that's what happened. That's how it started when a uh, uh, quick, a quick chat with, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Chris and, uh, and Ken and another director, I can't think of the director. Russ, Russ, and Russ And Russ, but another director as well, I can't think oh, of the Ian Prescott? Yes, Ian Prescott. That's it. Yeah, Scottish guy. Uh, oh, Ian McRae, sorry, Ian McRae. Ian McRae, Ian McRae, that's right, the Scottish guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so obviously coming into Hartlepool and... and, and it, <clears throat> What are your memories from the, the, the first few months of Hartlepool? Because it, it didn't immediately click into gear, did it really? Well, it did. It did. It just clicked into gear straight away and flipping Holland in the pre season. <laughs> I don't make it. <laughs> I have got a, I, I've got a WhatsApp group, Danny, with all Tinks and Trig and Humps and, and Bracker and all them. Lot a, few of the quest, a few of the questions were about the Holland trip. I'm sure it was. <laughs> well, we decided, I'll, I'll cut it short. We decided that, you know, I think we should go away. And I knew they went to Holland every year. They went on that, um, on the liner, didn't they? And yeah. uh, they go every year, uh, blah, blah, blah. I think we should go. Oh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Let's let's all get together, get to know me, I'll get to know the lads. Right? We'll have one night where we can all go out and have a few drinks and uh, wait, 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 hey, no problem. Yeah, I can handle all that, no problem. 
Next time I, to, I turn around, I've seen flipping tinks on top of a minibus. <laughs> Dancing on top of a minibus. I've, oh, my God, I forgot the training next morning. And I can remember tinks and, uh, and trigger and, and, and uh, yeah, trig. Absolutely couldn't, couldn't even bumping into each other. Yeah, they couldn't stand up. Trigger had been doing his fast feet on the dance floor and took his That's shoes it. off and cut his feet off. Right. I remember being in the in the toilet with him trying to wash glass off his feet and obviously he'd had a few drinks so he didn't want us to. And the next day, the next day I looked over and I'm thinking, these two could be in trouble with a gaffer here because James yeah. is trying to pull glass out of Trigger's Actually, foot. Yeah, I remember. I was and on the Tinks road, and yeah. Trigger jumping on James. And probably <laughs> James had probably had a couple of bees as well. So exactly. I was thinking, this isn't a good start for them. <laughs> <laughs> listen, buddy, it was, uh, listen, it wasn't, it was fine. I mean, I think I had to, I had to pull them in. Of course I did, you know, because you can't just like players just get away with it. You've got to say, you know, come on, I want to see you too. But, but, I mean, you read, you read the right act to a certain degree, but, but really understand we were there for that, not for that reason, but for that reason to have a get together, a little drink and see what happened. But they just tipped it over the edge too far in that respect. And then when you get glass in your feet and that, you know. Is yeah. that the one that's the new manager? Is that what? Players testing the new managers. That <laughs> you better no, ask just, the players that. It's, it's just them, it's just them too. <laughs> 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 there could have been an old manager or a new manager. Anyone? It's just <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah. It's just <laughs> the way. Danny, there was a question I was going to ask you, and it, 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 I, I wouldn't have asked you at the time. But you know, when you come into a club, and obviously your teams had played against the Hartlepool teams seasons before that. Yeah. Did the expectations of the level where we were at? surprise you or did you think sort of we were worse than what you're expecting or do you know as a as a group um no i think quite the opposite really i mean don't forget me even though i was only i was it was only a week or so before i left mk dons and then gone to you i've done a lot of homework on you as a, as a collective team anyway yeah you know and, and whatever you and from from that perspective even more so when i thought i might be getting interviewed so that's when you do your own work, you do due diligence, you talk to people, you blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you, you have a chat with people that, that, that know the club. Uh, and that's what I did. And so I, w- I wasn't going into it, you know, with my eyes closed. Um, I had an idea of the players that were there, some quality players, by the way, um, some, some players who, who maybe needed a move on, maybe needed, you know, a change, which I thought, you know, if, if I want to play in a certain manner, would they be good enough to sit on the bench or be patient enough to sit on the bench for me? No. Well, I think I owe it to them to tell them that and move them on and let them do this, that and the other, which is what we did. But um, the, I think you, you don't, you don't preempt how good people are until the season starts. I think it's foolish. I think if you, if you think on paper, this is a great team or this is a crap team, it'll end up being the opposite and it'll surprise yeah. you one way or the other. And I think you've got, to, you've got to go in with a fairly open mind, which I did. And, and I have done all my managers' jobs. And irrespective of the, the, the level that you play at as a manager when you played, it's wrong to, to try and compare them with what you've been playing with or people around you that have been playing with. I think that that's a, a recipe for disaster. But you've got to go in there with an open mind and, and try and get the best out of those individuals and then collectively as you can, you know, with, uh, with whatever tactics you can, you can find to, to help you. In the first two or three months of the season, because there was probably pressure and expectation on us to, to go back up, wasn't there? You know, yeah. Um, the first two or three months were a bit of a struggle, weren't they? We couldn't get the consistency of results. We we're getting a result here, and then it was tailing off again, and we couldn't build up that consistency until 
till the November. It must have been a bit frustrating. Well, you've got to remember as well, Mark, and Mick, you'll understand this, I'm going to say as well, that there was no consistency in the in the team selection either. Because I, I, I'm still tinkling around with the team. Yeah. You know, we went in pre-season, we went to Holland, and if you remember pre-season, we, we went, uh, we didn't get beaten in pre-season. There's only one team beat us, Leeds. Leeds were the only team that season who beat us in pre-season. We had quite a good pre-season. I think we drew both games in Holland or something like that. Then we had a couple of wins, and then I think I think um, I think it was Leeds. I'm sure it's Leeds. Sunderland. No, Leeds came to Victoria Park and and yeah. uh, and they beat us two one. So we had a good start. Then we go the first game of the season. We get beat at home, and you think, no, have I picked the right team? Has that team in the pre-season been, you know, challenged by the, the type of uh, um, competition that's going to be ready for us in League One? When we when we when we set ourselves up, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so. It, it was like win one, lose one, draw one type of thing. It was, and and I'm still moving positions around. If you remember, um, but I think once you start to settle that down, particularly in a in a in a team that um, I can say that uh, isn't a massive squad, if you settle it down, I think they start to bond together. And, I, and most of the lads knew each other anyway. And it was only a matter of time before that you know that round peg went into that round hole, and you know, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, but before that, you know, I'm I'm still thinking. I think he might play somewhere else. He might, he might be a good player there. I don't know. Let's have a look at him there. Let's look at him there. I mean, the, the prime example of that really is is um, is when I let Richie go on loan. Richie Humphreys. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I know he's a crowd favourite, but it's a tough decision. And I thought, you know what? I knew what Richie could do at Sheffield Wednesday. I knew what type of player he was, what type of attitude, and what a great pro he was. I did think he was being challenged enough. And I thought, you know, it's a bit easier. This. He needs to refresh himself. And then I think the biggest thing was for me to say to him, Rich, you're going on loan to Port Vale. And what type of thing? And I thought, you know what? It's just my bit. Anyway, yeah, I don't know how many games. He had six, half a dozen games, Port Vale. Come back in the team, never missed a game. But, but he was rejuvenated when he came back in. And all I think that, that had an effect on the dressing room as well, Danny. I did, think yeah. people yeah, were like, fuck, you know. That's if, what Richie, if Richie can go... No one's safe here, and, and it was you knew that would happen, though, Danny. You knew that reaction yeah, exactly right. Well, I knew Richie anyway, like I say, and I knew that he was a crowd favourite. I knew the punters are bigger than you, Rick. There's no doubt about it. You know, if we don't win the games and he's not playing, there's only one person going to get it, and that's me. But you have to be prepared to do that sometimes. You know, you've got to you, you've got to make a tough decision for the bigger picture, and 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 more more important, I keep saying before, it's for the for the team. But I knew that we had a player in Richie, but it depended how we came back. And Paul Vale wanted it for another, well, to end of the season. And I said, you've got no chance. Absolutely no chance. He's coming back. It, you know, it's, 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 I hope it's going to have the effect that I wanted to have. And um, I don't think Richard missed many games after. I think he played nearly every game um, in a different position, you know, but he played in the team. And I think it's, um, it's a testament to going back to good pros. That's what good pros do. They yeah. come back and do that, you know. And uh, so I think in... Um, in, in that respect, the, the, going back to the inconsistencies at the start of the season, that's possibly done to me as well. You know, for tinkering too much or, or not having the right players in the right positions. But, but you learn quickly. The, the, the day that obviously, and, and every year when it comes around in the calendar, um, even though I'm not a party for anymore, <laughs> I still will think about it. The Accrington game. Oh, my uh, good grief. Yeah. I North remember it like it was yesterday. Did you did you get the sense? Did both of you get the sense that the way that everything unfolded that day that it was going to be a turning point? 
I remember before the game, and I don't know whether we got there early, Danny, or and I remember you going round just casually having a chat to people about how many goals had scored, mm. and it was just like just really sort of laid back, like oh, how yeah. many goals and got to me, and I was like three, and, and people were <laughs> laughing, and and, and and before the game was really, and I know I've got three or four people asking what did Danny say in the dressing room at half time, and I'll, I'll obviously let Danny speak about that, but. For me personally, there was no sense even when we won that game that it was going to be a change or anything or anything oh. different and maybe winning another game and then losing the game. But, Danny, you, you can explain what you well, said. I, well, I remember it very well. I, I mean, I said I remember it because it was a really, really poxy day. It was pouring down was, the rain. Yeah. Um, I, can remember, I can remember going to the dressing room and one of the beds that were in the dressing room was, was soaked because the rain was coming through the ceiling. Yeah. To move the beds out of the way and this, that, and the other. And, and with all due respect, it's nothing like that now, but it was a right doss house. And the dressing rooms that we were in was absolutely shocking. Um, and I think that in itself, you know, from where I was, that was building up inside of me, but I tried not to say it to anybody. But half time it had to come out. And I think if you think you're good enough, you half of you lot can't even get into this team. I said, and look at this shit all here. I said, and you think you've got it hard where you are? on all the, all the facilities you've got and everything about it. And I remember going bananas at them. We won nil down at half-time. And from being one nil down and playing like we did to winning 2-1 and playing like we did, that was a big, big, big plus for me. Because I knew they thought deep down that, or the players had thought themselves, because I can't change it from the touchline, the players themselves thought they're selling ourselves short here. And they started to play to a level where they could play at. And once they got to that level, that was a standard that they set. And that was a determination they got, how they got themselves back into the game that's going to be needed for the rest of the season if they're going to do anything. And, uh, well, we know what's history from there because we went on a 20-odd game unbeaten run, didn't we? Yeah, I remember I, I remember yeah. that game. I came on either at half-time or into the second half. I think it was for Daz and it was freezing. I remember oh, how yeah. cold it was coming on. Yeah. And it was it, we were in, in the lead and, and I went ahead of ball back to the keeper. And I, I misjudged it and I went out for a corner. I just remember looking over at the bench thinking, please do not let this leader go because I'm going to get it right in the neck. <laughs> but it was just, I don't know, it was like you said, I think it was a realisation. It was uh, yeah. the players like, you know, we've got to pick this up here or, yeah. or we will end up somewhere like Akron and, and yeah. be in a dress room like this next season. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, it's, it's got no um, reflection on Accrington. But, we were Hartlepool United at the time. Hartlepool United were a good side, a good setup, and they had all the facilities. Like I said before, they, they were run properly, you know, by by Ken in one respect. Whether it was unorthodox is another matter. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But <laughs> um, but it was different. It was different. But what it was, it was it was solid, you know, and it and they looked after the players to a certain degree, and uh, and then Accrington were living on, you know, from one week to the next. Uh, they had players coming out of out of amateur teams, and you know, and. And we, and we were struggling to, to get on top of them. And that's what frustrated me more than anything. But more importantly, I think it frustrated the players eventually and said, you know what, we've got to, we've got to do something here. We can't, we can't have the embarrassment of this happening to us, you know, and be ridiculed. Because if, if that would have happened at that day, the season could have gone quite the opposite to what it did. And that, so it, it was, it was a, a moment of, um, uh, when you look back, of, of a season-changing game, if you like. Um, because, like I say, after that, it was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Just, just to underline how, how brilliant they were. I mean, twenty-three games unbeaten, nineteen of them were wins, 
Yeah. Um, it's the best results in the club's history. I read somewhere this week, it's, it's one of the best result, uh, runs of results in the history of the Football League. You know, that's... It was, it, it was a straight wins without conceding a goal. Without yeah, we went. We did 10 or 11 games, didn't we, without conceding? We went, we went eight, eight wins, straight wins, and then I think 10 without conceding. And I can tell you where we conceded, even with my memory, Shrewsbury away. Shrewsbury away, yeah. Was it, yeah? I can't remember. Can, I'll yeah. tell you why I remember, Danny, because I remember I had probably the worst first 45 minutes of my career. The pitch was full of sand. Every time I tried to kick it, it went out of play or went to one of their players. I remember at one point in the first half, flicking it up and trying to volley it just yeah. to get some distance on it. And well, you can't be that bad, Mickey, because I didn't remember you being that bad. Well, at <laughs> half-time, <laughs> at, at half-time, I remember coming to see you and say, Gaffer, just take me off. I'm more than happy for you to take us off. And you were like, no, I'm not taking you off. You're staying on. That, yeah, and you were like, no, you're staying on. And I remember we win one nil. I think we conceded in the game against Shrewsbury. But yeah, yeah it, it's amazing what sticks in your memory. All them happy times yeah. and all that remember is a shitty yeah. 45 minutes at Shrewsbury. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. What was the run built? I mean, obviously confidence and good players, but just extraordinary. What was it built on? What was, it, what was the key to that success, do you think? Well, it's like everything, you know, I, I, I've touched on what I said before, Mark, I think it's consistency and the, the team virtually play together you know, every week. The team very rare, didn't change a great deal unless it had to, you know. There wasn't there wasn't many times that I just swapped the team, swapped somebody a player for, for, the, for the hell of it because they were playing against somebody else. I think they, they grew in confidence together. They got an understanding as, as a team there. They got understanding of the positions, what was wanted, what was what was needed. You know, and I think that um, you know that's what that's all they want. You know, you, if somebody came into the team because of an injury or suspension, they knew exactly what was expected of them, and they had to come and play. And they knew what you know what the mate wanted and what the person behind him wanted, what the person in front of him needed. I think it. I think it was just that. I think it was just consistency in in the in the uh, in the personnel, and and certainly consistency in in the in the players' performances. Yeah. What was it like well, from your memories, Mickey, that run? You know, it was just being part of it. And... Yeah, I think it, it's you're just so full of confidence when you're going out onto the pitch in your formation, your teammates, the manager, and even in the warm-up and everything, you just think <clears> you're <throat> never going to lose. And especially the run when we weren't conceding. I remember we used to do little drills on a Friday, little heading drills, and, and just you're just topping things up all the time. But you've got yeah. this confidence that yeah, doesn't matter what happens in a game, even if we went two or three down in that run, you would think that's not a problem. We'll yeah. win this game. And it's, it's having, yeah. I've been watching that um, Mourinho thing when he's at, yeah. at Spurs. And, and that's what he says a lot of the time. Have that belief, have that confidence that no matter what happens in a game, that your team will win that game. And I think we yeah. had that. And I think it was just, like Danny said, everyone knew the role, everyone knew positions and formations and the style that we were playing and were comfortable with that. Yeah. It was, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And, and when it comes to that, as, as, as you both know, my job becomes really easy. You know, my, my job's very easy. You know, yes, you've just got to keep chipping him up and say, I think your standards are going a bit, come on, like you can, it's easy. You know, it's, it, once, once the players get that belief in themselves, a manager's job and a coach's job is, is so much easier. You know, that inconsistency is where you have a problem, where you, you're trying to get the formula right and this and the other. Once you, once you well, you, will you ever have it right? I don't think you'll ever have it right, but you, you'll get it, nearly right most of the time. It's so satisfying. And then it's so satisfying to, to see the 11 players, 13 players, whatever it may be, going on the pitch and performing like they do, knowing that all the work they've done during the week is taken on board and they're trying to put it onto the pitch. 
And even if he doesn't come off, they're trying to do what you've asked them to do. It's really satisfying for the coaches. I mean, Simo Yule known like the training ground at that time. It was just like so lively, so bubbly yeah. that it was a it was a point where you didn't want to leave the training ground because you yeah. were having so much fun training and then doing whatever after. Yeah. And, 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 and it was, it was a case of, oh, we'll stay, we'll have another cup of coffee because you just want to be with that group of people that yeah. you're comfortable with and, and you're enjoying that bit of success with. Well, years ago, I can remember Liverpool. When Liverpool, um, in the in the 80s and what have you, I used to know one or two of the boys there. I got to know them through a lad who I played with Berry with, a lad called um, Keith Kennedy, his brother Alan Kennedy. Um, used to tell us all about it. Cheddar McDermott was from an area near for me. And he used to tell me what the training used to be. And all they used to do, particularly in the wintertime, they make sure they're pulling out jumpers on, big, thick pull like something you get for Christmas. And all they've <laughs> all have one. And then just, just walk around on the farther side and then go and whack somebody. They go go for a pint on a Wednesday, Thursday, get sloshed together, and then go and whack everybody who came in front of them on the weekends. And that's all they did. And they were just, because they were so belief that they were never going to get beat. And it yeah. didn't matter what they did in training. Whoever the manager was, they used to say, right, you're, you're playing off. Oh, in the team that'll do for me I'm staying in this team and, and that's all it was they didn't want to be out to the, out of the team so they, they played out their skin every week yeah. and I think I, I think sometimes little things like I remember Danny used to say it was make sure on Monday morning you're sitting in your front room in your front window in your house and we were like hey what's your honourable but then you realise that if you won you want people to see you want people just look in your house and go, yeah, there's a, do you know what I mean? You don't want to be hiding out the back. No, you're just little things. in the back window, but the curtains show when you're getting beat, don't you? <laughs> little things like that. It's just things like, do you know what, on Monday, you want the gaffer to say that again. And then on, if you've got a choose a game, you want to keep seeing it. And, and little yeah. things like that from the manager will spur players on. And I remember yeah, thinking at the time, I, I want, I want that feeling of the manager saying, lads, we're in the front room again on Monday. Right. Yeah, of course. That's just, it's right, Mick. No, it, it's, 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 it's a silly thing to say, but it, it's, it, it's poignant. It's quite, you know, it's, it's got, it's, it's, got it's, it stays with you as well, though, Danny. It stays, yeah, um, with you for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you want people to to think you're successful, and you want people to see that. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, right. Yeah, it's great. That, what sticks with me, what sticks with me about the that season and the turnaround. Uh, I've obviously worked with quite a number of, of managers at, at Hartlepool and, and at Barrow now, and you see the difference a result will make to a manager's mood um, and the way they act, but. Just, it always stands out in my head that you were no different when we were sort of struggling for that consistency in September and October than you were in January when we were 15, 16, 17 games unbeaten. Was that that just experience? What was how, how did you manage to stay humble, I suppose? On a level well, I think like I'm, going, I'm going back to what I said before. That if you've got belief, you'll just keep going through. If you've got belief in what you're doing and you believe in the players... That you're, that you're trying to coach, you're trying to help and trying to teach. Uh, if you've got that belief, it, why are you worried? There's no need worried. If you worry straight away, the players will pick up, pick up on it like that. If you're not being, if you're being dishonest with them, they know straight away. If you're only trying to fanny them, they know straight away. So just be what you are. Just be what you are. I don't go over the top on anything. I don't get too down on anything. And, and But that's been me out as a, when I played as well. Like I'm not, I'm not one of these really animated type of person. Um, and I think if you see a manager on the touchline when you're getting beat, yeah, 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 yeah useless. You, you go, oh my goodness, you know. And I, th- I think that puts you on edge as a player. You're looking over the touchline. What's, what's your manager like? If your manager's calm, I think you can. I think you. you it, 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 it's, it's my opinion. Not everybody's like me. I mean, every, everybody's got the other other side of their opinion. So that that you know that bustle that makes them 
kick themselves up their ass like because they're not playing because the manager going mad. I, I generally believe it calms them down and keeps them focused on the job that they've got to do while they're playing. Well, we had we had the exact opposite with Coops. Coops, as you both you both know, would go absolutely <laughs> ballistic on the touchline and he'd be screaming. And but it got to the point where it, you think, oh, I know what you're saying, Gaffer. You, you know what I mean? You don't need yeah. to keep screaming on because I can't yeah. understand what you're saying half the time. <laughs> I'm on the other side yeah. of the pitch. You know he's getting angry about something, but yeah. it almost loses its effect, doesn't it? That if you but then on the other side, yeah. I know the fans love Neil for that. I know the yeah, fans exactly, love that. Yeah. So I, oh, he's showing a lot of passion. Yeah. But it's what effect is it having on the team? That's and what you've got to think. And about. again, that's the most important thing for me. That's it's always has been. I'm not there to please the fans. Yeah. The results will please the fans, and the performances will uh, will will um, pacify the fans. My antics on the touchline will if we're losing games, no matter what I do, you know. So it's it's ultimately they're not really looking at me, looking at the team and how they're performing. But more, can we win? And and yeah. then afterwards, if I'm jumping everywhere, that's great. If I'm not, that's great. It, it's, it's, the, it's what the, the lads are performing on the pitch is, is, is the most important thing. What what you did do, Danny, as well, to, to affect things was bring in players who complemented the, the quality that was already there. You know, the likes of uh, Andy Monkhouse who came in and just couldn't... Yeah. I don't think we couldn't... I don't think we conceded a goal for the first 11 games he played and he won all of them or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And he had to tell everyone that was down to him. And then Richard Barker as well, such a key signer at, yeah. at, at New Year time, you know, those those yeah. two in particular just absolutely galvanised the squad, didn't they? But, well, well, Gaffey, can... We, can Sorry, can you remember? I remember the Barks one. We played Mansfield, didn't yeah. we? And yeah. I remember going into the yeah. in, to see yeah. the referee, and Barks was captain of yeah. of Mansfield. And and someone had told us beforehand he was going to be signing for us like in the next couple of days. And, and we had this really uncomfortable sort of, <laughs> I, I know what's happening, he knows what's happening, everyone knew, know, but you couldn't yeah. mention it. And, yeah. and then when he played, I was thinking, well, he's not going to be trying today, but like, <laughs> like, oh, like wow. Richie would do, Richie tried oh, his balls yeah. off exactly. and was desperate to score. But you know, it's such when, a strange situation. Yeah. I mean, obviously, again, like knowing Richie Humphreys and knowing Richie Barker as well, like, you know, and knowing, knowing what we wanted at the time or what, what I thought the team needed. Um, John Daly had come in. John had scored nine goals before he went in. Yeah. But he gets, you know, he gets a good move to Dundee United, was it? Dundee. Yeah. Um, you know, which, is, which was a lot of money for the club as well. So I know that's, that's ongoing. And I'm thinking, well, you know, they're going to need a replacement. Who do I know for free? Who's, who'll do us a job and I thought yeah I just kept going back to Richie and uh, and Richie came in and, and I think he's I think he scored nine goals again correct me if I'm wrong and he scored nine goals between the end of the season league goals and um, although it doesn't sound a great deal you know that's if over a season 20 goals over a season if he has a full season near enough and um, and I think with Richie but he offered us more than that he offered us yeah. a, you know, that, that leadership that we needed up, up the top is strong and all the bit link play you know, he's never going to be the quickest, but he was powerful and he, he let people run around him, you know, in that. And I think it was it was um it was instrumental in a lot of things that we did. Um Richie was. I thought yeah. I thought he was well, I thought he was absolutely brilliant for from our point of view when he when he came in, you know. And I think one or two of the lads who came in contributed, you know, not always in the starting lineup, but um but offered something as the game went on or an injury here or an injury there. Like I remember like um, uh, what's it, uh, Ali Gibb, yeah. remember Ali Gibb? Yeah, you know, and Ali came Bristol Rovers, I think it was yeah. where he came from. And I think Ali, and, and but he was 
he was that type of lad as well. Never moaned. You know, he went in the team and he come all the way up from from Bristol. He never moaned. Just got on with it. You know, just just got on with it. If I'm playing, I'm playing. If I'm not, you know, I'll try and get the team or I'll, I'll come off the bench and I'll make an impact. And I, and I love that type of thing. And I, not that you want people to be satisfied by not playing, but it's also going to be an understanding as to why they're not playing. And he had that. You know, and yeah. I liked Ali a lot. And he didn't play. He didn't play. You know. You know, fifty games or so. I think it, I don't know. I don't know. But he did play twenty games or something like that. But I could have said in every one of the games, I would guarantee you now. If I watch it again, he'd get everything for whatever time he was on that pitch. Yeah. And, but and, again, with with yeah. Ali and, and Barks, good, real good characters. Yeah. Sort of in, intelligent people as well. You know, they brought yes. a calmness to it, and, and like you yeah. said, they didn't didn't ever complain. Uh, no. Monks probably. Made up complaining for both of them at the time and <laughs> for all the teams, <laughs> <laughs> but they just brought that. They brought that sort of reassurance to the lads yeah, who were already there. That oh, yeah. do you know what? These are good players coming in. We, yeah. We've lost John, but we're bringing a good player in that we knew could yeah. score goals. But we yeah. knew was a good character as well. We had yeah. we had Richie telling us about him, and, and obviously you speak to other people, and and just that sort of reassurance of what they were going to be like coming in the yeah. dressing room helped us as well. Well, and monks as well. I mean, you don't don't overlook monks and what a contribution he had, you know, from what he the position that he played, you know, and um, and how he contributed to assists yeah. and goals he scored. He, he, I mean, he was fantastic. He, he, we laugh about him having a moan up. He was always a moan anyway. <laughs> he'd moan as soon as he walked through the door, like. But he, yeah, he would. I didn't, I didn't mind that at all. Uh, it was, it was like a, it was a light-hearted moan. It was nothing really, anything that you worry about, is it? But he, but, but. Again, with uh, with Monks, he was he was fantastic when he came. But he brought he, he brought a different dimension to the team as well, though, didn't he? he? Did, with yeah. as you say, he could score from that. He could set. But he, yeah. he was a different type of player than what we had in that yeah. in that wide position. So yeah, yeah it was, was um, those, those signings definitely helped us. I think push on and and, and get promoted that season. Yeah, it did no no doubt about it. You know, you mentioned how bubbly the training ground was, uh, Mickey, and obviously we were winning games, so it probably wasn't you know. Was it? Was there any of them that were tricky customers to manage, Danny, or was there any of them that were more lively than others that you, you had to keep an eye on? Um, no, I don't. I, thinking back, then I can't remember. I mean, the boys might know that I never busted with anybody. I don't think I ever did. I can't. I can't okay. remember. I remember you said, did you, you said Trig on loan for six months, which we didn't think was long enough for. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been at least the 18th. <laughs> and I mean, even, even with Trig, when he went there, he was, he was brilliant. You know, as you said, listen, he just wanted to play games. He knew, yeah, he knew himself he wasn't going to be in the team. And I said, go and get yourself some games if you want some. You know, it's, that's no problem. Come back if you can't get it, if you come back. And he ended yeah. up going to Rochdale, I think. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, and did well for him. You know, in that respect. So, you know, that, it was great from that point of view that, you know, you're not you're not just discarding people, you know, and say, I got, I'm not, you're not wanted. You're always wanted, but you need to play games at your age. Yeah. And I think what, what we spoke about before, Mark, was is Danny's ability to, to make people feel wanted. Even like if you're not in the team, yeah. that the, the discussions you would have with the, with the players, Danny, would make. I remember early on, I think it was either pre-season or the start of the season, I wasn't in the team and... And I, I, thought, I went home and I thought to myself, look, it's not fair on a new manager to have a captain that's not playing. So I, I remember going to see Danny at yeah. Castle and saying, look, Danny, yeah. um, if I'm not going to play, I don't want to be captain because I don't think it's fair on you and I don't think it's fair on the team. <clears> and he just, <laughs> I remember to her own blunt as end, he went, you're the captain, so you'll still be staying the captain. And I walked away. I was, wasn't in the team. <laughs> I wasn't in the team for quite a while, but I felt a million dollars because <laughs> I wanted someone to reassure me that yeah. I, wanted, I was wanted, basically, 
and that was my way of trying to, to find out if I was. And, and, and Danny saying that again just made me feel great. And I was like, right, crack on. And if when I get me chance, I'll, I'll play. And I think that just little things like that kept people happy. But I think everything as well, Mick, and, and, and you'll respect when well, I'm trying to put this now, is that we all need a challenge. If, if you go through life and, you, and you're just ambling along and, you know, what are you going to do? If you've got somebody chasing you, if you've got someone with a gun up your ass, you're going to run faster, aren't you? You know, and, and oh, I didn't think I could run that fast. You need you need that challenge, and yeah. sometimes it's somebody breathing down your neck as a, as a as a as another player in your position or whatever it may be. If he's breathing down your neck, you're going to rise to the challenge. A good players rise to the challenge, and that's what did you do? Did you do that? Of course, you I think I did. You played nearly every game, mate. You, play, you played, I would say, over three quarters of the season in the first team. Yeah. So. What I'm saying in that respect, that's that's what you do. And I think sometimes you you just have to present a challenge to people sometimes that, that just gives them that little bit of a it's not a wake up call, it's a, it's a little bit of oh, I've got to be on my toes today, type of thing, mm. you know. And all of a sudden you see the lad who's challenging you, he sprints up that way, he sprints up there, I'm gonna do that. You know, and it, 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 because you're you're competitive, you're gonna do you're gonna try and challenge that. Yeah, you know? and that's where you want to bring out in, in players a competitive nature that they've already got that just might have just slipped off a bit. Richie Humphreys is a prime example of it. He came back brilliantly from Port Vale, as I said. And I think you, you, we all need that. I've needed it as a player. You know, I've needed a manager. You know, you get you need a little bit of a flick now and again. It just brings you, brings you back into life a bit. And looking back at that promotion season, there was lots and lots of highlights, clearly, through that run and then the promotion and everything that came with it. But was there a better feeling for either of you than... You know, three and a half thousand, four thousand Hartlepool fans singing "We Are Unbeatable" three 0 up at the home of your bitterest rivals in Darlington. Darlington, yeah, of course. By the way, what about those two goals Effian scored that day? Oh my! I can see those. I can see his second goal like it was yesterday. Wow, what a what a goal that was! I know. It was I just can't remember who passed him the ball, Danny. That I think I remember Mickey. That was from the middle of the pitch as well, if you remember. It wasn't yeah, from it was, a fullback was, area, was it? To be fair, it was just a channel ball, and he made look good. Well, I don't think it, no, I'm, I'm I'm going to disagree with you because I thought you were like in a in a like semi centre back position. Yeah, it was it was sort of higher up the pitch. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember playing it, playing it over. Going yeah. back to that game, Danny. Apart from the result, and, and we had a great night out afterwards. I remember we were talking about it. Me, Nelson, uh, Ben Clark, and Richie went up to concert with for all players. I don't know why, but we had a cracking night out. But before the game, I remember you getting us all with the towels over our heads with M and M in the in the dress room. Yeah, and I, I just remember, and it's probably me being sceptical. I just remember thinking, "There's got to be only me with a towel over the head here. I'm going to put it up, and everyone else is going to be like." Whoa. So, what was that? Why was that done on that day, Danny? Was there a reason behind it? Because of the the words of it, the, the biggest one more than anything, if you remember it now, is, is, is uh, you get one chance. Yeah, you know, and and I think you, if you don't take your chance, you regret it rest of your life. You just get one chance in in most things, and I think. You know, would you have played your near, your bitterest rivals again with so much riding on it? Because we were on a great run at the time, weren't we? We were, mm-hmm. that was the middle of our run, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that was our biggest challenge up, up until you know, obviously going to end the season when you know we know we've got a chance. But um, should we have lost that game? I think it could have been a different story because losing to your, you know your your derby team, your local rivals, everybody going out, well, you know, the whole mood changes. Yeah. But what he did, it enhanced it even more. It got, it got even bigger and better and more belief when he can go away from home and win like we did. 
you know, and the goals that we scored, and and, and monks as well, like James monks, yeah. and James Brown playing. I can remember James having a couple of good chances. Yeah. Um. You know, just yeah, just things like it was. It was a fad, that that for me was what what pushed us on for the final part of the season. Yeah. I, I remember walking away after walking away after the game, feeling confident that after that game we were promoted. Yeah. Not in a way of like we don't need to try anymore, but just having that yeah. real belief that yeah. if, if if that's what we've just done, there's nothing going to stop us from now on in. I agree with you. I, I, had, I had a sense there, but you know, there's nothing I can say like that. It's everything, keep your feet on the ground and get on with the next game. But but I felt then if you if you can respond like that into in a game of that, and, and no matter that could be Liverpool Everton, it didn't matter. You know, the, it, it means just as much to the you know the the local community to go and get a result like we did. That was that was brilliant. And, and yeah. so there's as much pressure on you as a, as a Man United player playing against City like they will on Wednesday. You know, it's um, it's a, the pressure games. You know, you, you've got to try and come out of it with with some sort of credibility for it. But it didn't just do that for us, not just credibility. It gave us a big, an even bigger boost, you know, from a, for our promotion pushing. Does it remain a bit of a, 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 not a regret, that's probably the wrong word, but a frustration that we didn't go on from the position we were in to, to, to get the silverware, to get the, to get to win the league? Well, it was the last game of the season, wasn't it? Bristol. Yeah. Bristol Rovers, wasn't it? You know, should we have won that? Would have, would have, would have been, you know, been um, champions, wouldn't we? Um, yeah, of course you do. You, you, you won that silver. You ought to be crowned champions. Of course you do. You, you always want to finish as high as you possibly can, and we were one short of, of not of doing that. But the ultimate goal at the beginning of the season was get promotion. Yeah. By hook or by crook, and we did. You know, and, and I think we did it in style and to a certain degree. Like I said, all the records that we broke, you know, and as, as the run that we had. I think it was fantastic from the players' point of view that they'll go down the record books. They'll look at the record books, look at the name. I was part of that. Yeah. I think it's, it, you can take them with pride. And I don't think people are looking at it saying, well, you only finished second. No, no, you're promoted. Yeah, you're promoted. You were promoted. And I think that's, that's it's a secondary thing, that. But it is something that the next, if, you, if you missed out, if you were third and missed out, you try and get better. You can't get better than promotion, can you? You got promoted. You know, yeah. if you're in his third, had, and, you know, we play off I've had probably five or six tweets about that season from people just who wanted to thank you, Danny. Who say it's the most enjoyable season of football <laughs> as a Hartlepool supporter that I've had. And then there was one of a lad who was 12 at the time that season, and he was like, I was so happy. And I thought that's how supporting Hartlepool was always going to be. He said, that season was like my first season. I remember being a fan. And he said, I've almost like started at the pinnacle and it just dropped down ever since. But the response when, when they said you were coming on, I think a lot of people just wanted to, to see a thank you for, for that season in particular and, and the football we played. Well, listen, Mickey, if I reciprocal, I've got to say the same for them because they warmed to us. They didn't just warm... You know, to the players, they warm to me as well, and it's not always easy. That you know, if you get if you're not getting it right, and and you're letting your your your, your favourite go and on loan and this that, and the other, they take a bit of time to get together. But I think they saw what we're trying to do, and I, I think they they saw some of the football that we played, which was excellent at times. You know, and and I sit back and as I said to you before, as a manager, you just sit and watch, and you think that's great. You know, yeah. you don't you don't have to clap it, you don't have to sit back and say shit. You know. You just watch it with admiration, and and I think some of them did that because the players played ever so long for the large parts of that season, um, and so, and in doing that, they they helped me as well to I suppose get on their better side, you know, which was great. You know, just I just uh, just a bit sad that it, it it fizzled out like it did at the end. 
I tell yeah. you what was brilliant about that season, just, just a quick story for you. I remember at the time you won the LMA League Two Manager of the Year that year, didn't you? Yeah. Despite uh, the fact we finished runners up. And yeah. I remember <laughs> there was pictures at the time of Richard Money straight and his tie ready to go up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> it was, the manager is Danny Wilson. Then I want Dickie Dosh. Um, and Richard Money spent 15 minutes as manager of Hartlepool a couple of years ago and he still talks about it now it? if you look now everyone who won the league every single person who won league two won manager of the year one year it didn't happen <laughs> oh well Brilliant. a lot of surprises that's what they say isn't it <laughs> talking we've spoken a lot about relationships Danny I think we'd probably have to I know you mentioned them before but the relationship with Ken as chairman and Iowa, how did you find that? I know I was starting my coaching journey with you and, and I was in on some of the meetings and I was uh, just, it, it baffled you some of the stuff that you had to talk about in, in the meetings that we had. So can you just briefly describe the relationship you had with Ken and Iowa and, and all that? Well, we didn't have one. That was a problem. <laughs> we didn't have a relationship. Honestly, we didn't. It, it was... It was, um, it was, it, I said before, you know, you, you cannot knock um, how they ran Harlepool because of the resources at their disposal. They were offered to put money in every year. Was, you know, we knew that, you know, and it was down to their, their, um, the beneficiaries of or the people with, that were putting money into the club. That was, we were, we kept going. So you can't knock, in, knock it for that respect. It's just very unorthodox. I've never come across it. You know, where the, the one of the things that you, I actually, I had to do um, a written uh, report on every game by Monday morning. Uh, and Ken would be at the game. I said, Ken, what do you want to report for? Well, I'd like you to IRR. I said, will you give him one? Put the phone up and tell him how well we played. Oh, we won and this, that and the other. And it got to a stage where I didn't, I couldn't be asked doing it. I said, no. <laughs> I so, remember. So Chris had started doing it. So one of the secretaries would do it. I said, what do you want to put into it? I said, put what you want to. Ken was sat upstairs watching the game. Yeah. You know, so I didn't, I, I didn't understand that side of it. I didn't want to understand it because I had more important things to do. Coaching, the managing, the, the uh, scouting, uh, commercial, whatever you may be, you know, the community stuff. I, I, I don't want to start writing, pen pushing on a Monday morning when I've got to get in that team, getting ready for the Tuesday night game. Yeah. And, um, and so that in respect, I didn't, you know, we, we've got the preparation for the next teams to look at, Sundays and then Mondays when you get to the club. That's all, all my time taken up. You know, I don't sit on my ass and have 25 pints on a Saturday night. You know what I mean? It, it was still looking for the next game. And, yeah. um, and that's what used to really frustrate me. I, I think I thought the priority was becoming a report and not the results, you know, and how we were performing. And, I think I've told this story before, Danny, but I remember sitting in, I was youth team coach at the time, and, and I think it was getting to the point where these reports were probably frustrating you a little bit is being kind. <laughs> Yeah. And so Chris had said, um, so what about first team, Danny? What you got to say about that? And he just went, shite. <laughs> and Chris went, well, I can't write that. Then he went, just put shit. Because obviously we'd, get, we'd getting beat. And then the next week or whenever I had the next beat, and you would get the minutes of the meeting. And obviously Chris had wrote out a report. <laughs> and I'd gone, so the gaffer said shit. And then there's this big long report that Chris had written for Iowa. But I think it probably just was your frustration at the time that you didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see any point in it. I didn't really see any point in me doing it. Not when, when you've got members of the board sat there watching the game. And if he wants to put something in writing, I think that's, you know, that's chairman to his, his, his colleagues, whatever it may be, 
just say, yeah, we play very well. You know, excellent today. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. The team's moving on. The team's doing well. What do you want me? I, I could, I could put minute by minute what happened after watching the videos. Blah blah blah. And it's just got filed in a cabinet. Nobody read it. Yeah. Nobody read it. Sport is boring. Ian Butterworth used to do the reserve one, if you remember. So yeah, I do. Yeah. On a, on a on a Wednesday Thursday afternoon, he'd come in. He'd come in the office where me and Becky were, because Becky used to do the short hand for him. So he would just sit there and and talk. But because he didn't like doing them either, he used to challenge himself to get as many animals in his reports. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd like just be like a random like rose like a giraffe. <laughs> 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 just speaking about Buds, Danny, I think it, it, and Mark, it's probably we probably need to mention him at some point. You know, yeah. I think he was he was a, a factor in um, the success we had, and and sometimes it was like a comedy value with him as well. His coaching was was great and that, but I just remember some of the stuff he used to. I, I'll never forget. There was one day Nels was doing a bench press, so Nels is straight away on his bench press, and Buds just comes across from him and leans right into his ear like this, and and he goes. Empoli defend deep and just walk off. And Nelson's nearly <laughs> dropped the ball like that. And so afterwards, I've gone, Butch, what was that about? He went, I was just watching a game the other day and I thought Empoli defended deep. So I thought I'd tell Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so random some of the stuff he used to come out with. Uh, he was, I mean, Butch was, Butch was very good at one time. You know, he's, I think he was a bit frustrated. I think he, he would have really, really liked to have been a manager, if I'm honest. Yeah. You know, and, and possibly a bit frustrated. But... Um, but over, I mean, he's had, he's had a great career up to date as well. He's still involved, you know, so he's uh, he's still enjoying obviously what he's doing. But um, but I think you know, yeah, you, it goes without saying that you know you can't you can't manage your team on your own. You know, you need you need all the people you you know you talked about. Um, uh, uh, Buster, Buster was there. I remember Buster. And, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, James. Uh, James, sorry, I'm trying to think. James Aycock, yeah. You know, and and, and all the back to back, we all because it's a small club, everybody has to contribute. Because we can't do it on our own. We yeah. can't do it on our own. There has to be a togetherness and a trust in, in every department that you work with. The big clubs leave that to the hundred people that mill around the manager, you know, and he doesn't have to get involved with that. But when you're a small club, you do, you know, and um, and you've got to you've got to try and and have a, some sort of philosophy that everybody's got, you know, which is which is a trust, I suppose, and and an enjoyment and put a smile on your face. You're not going in the morning and have a face like a slapped ass, you know, it doesn't do anybody any good, you know, at least of all the person who's got the face like it, you know, so that, that's one of the things that we, we try to encourage all the time. And Butch was good at that. Butch yeah. was going to have a bit of fun with you. Yeah. yeah, I spoke to James the other day. I did an interview, I was saying to Mark, for some of our students at school, and he's, he's obviously worked at Huddersfield, and he went to Arsenal, and now he's at Spurs doing the under-23s. Yeah. And a lot, of the, the, a lot of the kids wanted to know about Arsenal, wanted to know about Spurs. And one of the questions was, so far, what's been your most enjoyable club? And he said for that exact reason, Hartlepool, because he felt like he was really offering something to the team, to the dynamic right. of the team. He said now with Spurs have got eight physios that he has to speak to before anything's done. He said the bigger you get, the, le- the sort of less worth you feel within that club. Yeah. And he said, yeah. so at that time in Hartlepool, I felt like I was really part of the first team and, and, and giving them a big help. Yeah, I, 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 I can't argue with that at all. I think it's right. Although you want to be the, t- the top clubs, don't worry about that. But what comes with that is that is that separation from that togetherness, if you like that. Yeah. That real team spirit that you get when you tight when you really tighten it. Yeah. You, yeah. You talked, Danny, about the, the small club and the family club that Hartlepool was, and it, it probably wouldn't be right to do a podcast with you without touching on one of the possibly the most uh, tragic 
um, chapters in the club's history. And and when Michael Maidens um, oh my God. Yeah. passed away um, in October 2007, I mean, difficult to put into words and I, I'm putting it on the spot, I guess, but what, what are your memories of that? And, and, and just... It'll be something I'll never ever forget the rest of my life anyway, Mark, and all that. And the, and the, the anguish and the sadness that his mum and dad and his family had when we went round to see them. I, 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 as a parent, it absolutely broke my heart, you know, and uh, even, even, I can see them now. I can see young Michael now. You know, I'm sure you can. You know, he, he was bright, he was bubbly, he was always smiling. He'd, he'd, he'd work his tail off for you, whatever he did. Uh, and when that news came through that what had happened, it was, I, didn't, I, I really didn't know what to do. Other than we had to go around and, you know, convey our, our sympathies with his mum and dad and, it was tough, really, because they were still hurting, hurting really a lot, you know, at the time. And I still remember conversations that went on at that time, um, you know, and it, and it, it wasn't easy in, in one respect. Um, but I think I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad that we, we did show, you know, the compassion that was needed at the time. Um, but how you ever get over that, I really don't know to this day. You know, it's, there must be a big gap and a big hole that's missing from, from the family. And, and Michael himself, on a professional basis, I mean, he went out to York, if you remember. He went on York to on loan, which did him a world of good as well. And I think coming back, who knows what he could have done? Because he, he had everything that most players have. He's quick, he was dynamic, he'd get past people. You know, he, he had a lot to learn in, in lots of parts of his game, but who doesn't at that age? And um, and then to have that taken away from you, like you did, uh, like you did, it was absolutely heartbreaking. And yeah, that was one of the saddest, saddest moments, I think, the club. You know, I'm sure there's... Other people will remember other things, but from my point of view, the saddest thing that ever happened to the club. Yeah, it was, it was very, very difficult. It's, it's, it's nice that, that, that the club still remember him to this day now, and I know it didn't happen this year because of the the, the problems with fans and things. But they still go back to Victoria Park every year, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, closest to the anniversary, and and remember him in the in the maiden suite at Victoria Park, which yeah. is, is great. Oh, and all the recent, the recently, uh, or the, in the process of moving the bench yeah. on from the training ground that we had when when Michael died, we got a bench from the players, and and I, I think they're going to restore it a little bit and put it inside the ground from what we hear. So, oh, great. Um, just for the fans to sit on before the match and and hopefully remember well the fantastic goal he scored, but the person yeah. he was as well, because like you said, Danny, he was such a bright, lovely young oh. young man, and and really? that is. A, a good career and a good life ahead of him, and it's just so sad. Oh, it was, I, yeah. I, I just yeah. remember that. I remember two things with it: is the funeral was. I hadn't been to many funerals at the time, and I remember <laughs> Danny, you just saying, "As look, we got to get through this as as a sort of group, you know." And 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 it was such a sad day. And then yeah. the next game in the, in the huddle, um, the players just like people were actually still crying about it, you know. Yeah. And and it it was almost like. It's not fair putting the players through this game today because it was so emotional yeah. about the situation that just happened. But um, yeah, I think putting the bench in the ground will hopefully let people remember Michael and and and, and remember him for the, the young man he was. Yeah, exactly right. And you know, it's uh, I think from from that perspective, I think you know, it, it's not it's not about just Michael. It's about his family and having the pride that you know that when they see that and know that all his friends have have got together and sorted that out for him. That must be a great, great um, uh, sense of pride from their point of view as well. 
yeah. yeah. Every time you go in there and you see that, you, it, it, I mean, it can bring a tear to my eyes. You talk about it now, honestly, because it, it was such a sad, sad, sad time. Mm. But um, but now when they see it now, to hopefully to be to bring back lovely memories and not bad memories. Yeah, yeah. And Danny, towards obviously the the, the end of your time at the the club, came fairly um, abruptly just before Christmas, didn't it, in two thousand and eight, and. You know, there's always been a little bit of mystery about it in terms of you. I think you were in a, in a new job within a week and people were wondering whether there was something lined up. And I don't think that was the case, though, was it? No, not at all. No. No, Ken came down and said, you sacked. And OK. <laughs> Result, re- results haven't been too good. I said, OK, that's fine. But I think we were about 10th or 11th in the league or something like that. We've was it because of your reports, Danny? Uh, yeah, yeah. Was I think it was right. <laughs> I promise you. I think that has something to do with it. I think it's just because we didn't, we weren't, we weren't having the synergy that we should have, you know. And it was, uh, it was a bit of a bit of that, really, you know. And I thought, you know, like, let me get on my job. I'll do the job on the football. You do the other side of it, which you got at. And um, but I think he wanted to get into both of them, and he knew that I didn't like that. So I think it was a clash of personalities, really, more than anything, uh, and really not really allowing me to do my job. So when it came, it didn't surprise me. I didn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, I, I can't remember what day it was anyway, but I remember coming in and just having a piece of paper and said, that's what, that's what it is. He signed that. I said, okay, I signed it. And went. Well, that's as short as it is when you, when you leave as a manager, something like that. Just as, well, that, no, that particular one was, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, because I think it was, it was inevitable. You know, he, for whatever reason, he didn't, he didn't particularly take the way I managed so listen, that's he's he's the owner. He's the, he's a chairman. He can he can make the decision whoever he wanted. But I didn't think it was a, a smart move at the time, if I'm honest. Um, but you know, you go back into a job within a week, and you think, well, you must be doing something right. And I think I went to Swindon. Yeah, Swindon. Yeah, Swindon. Yeah, I went to Swindon. Yeah. So um, if anybody thinks there was anything, you know, that went on there before that, they're wrong. They're completely wrong. You know, just in the one morning. Chris came down with Ken and had a piece of paper and said, you're off. Basically, in those, not in those words, but, you know, it might as well I said it that way. Mm. Not the best ending, I suppose, to, to everything. Do oh, you, listen, it didn't... Don't hold some fondness for the club. It didn't say anything uh, for me, Mark, about the, the club and everything, I, my enjoyment, not whatsoever. But um, it surprised me more than anything. I thought it was a... I don't think it was a... It was the smartest of moves from the, from their point of view, because I think we still would have gone on and done all right that, that year as well, because it's still a good team. You know, and we've been promoted and we were, we were lying halfway up the table. You know, so I'm thinking, hold on a bit, you know, give him a chance, never know what can happen here. You know, so, but it weren't, we weren't to be, so we, you never know, like, you know, and I think, as a, as a way, oh, Chris took over, Chris Turner took over, didn't he? Um, and they just managed to stay up, you know, so is that success or is that not success? I don't know. How would you, how would you, after being in the position that we were when I get the sack and then just staying up, is that success or is that, you know, is that not success? I really don't know. Um, but they'll possibly think it was success because they managed to get rid of me. Eleventh <laughs> <laughs> in League One, I think Hartlepool fans would snatch your hand off for that just now. And, uh, yeah. It's amazing, too. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. Yeah. So, Danny, okay. who who would you say was your best signing for Hartlepool? Um, that's a difficult one, Mick, because I think in contribution ways, they all they all did their own bit in the areas where we bought them, you know, or brought them in to do, you know, so if somebody like, like Andy Munkos comes in and he does his business there, that's what he brought him in to do. They expected to do it, you know, and um, I don't know, Ali Gibb came in or, or Willie Boland, you know, remember Willie, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Willie came in and he did he did all right uh, in, in that position. They asked him to do it, but I think for for what we needed at that time, um, I think it it would have to be Richie Barker. I think he's. I think it was just the right position um, and the right player for that position for the team at that time. Because I just think it, 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 his experience as well helped everybody. He was a great pro as well. You know, he was like you say, he was always there for people. He was. He was calm. You know, very really good. I wouldn't like to upset him anyway. I wouldn't like to give me a right hand. I know that. Well, crikey. <laughs> and uh, but I've never seen him upset. He was always calm and you know and led the line well for us. So I, I think you know on on. on um, on the basis of just that, I would say yes to him. Yeah, 14 years ago yesterday, or the day before, I think, when you signed Richie Barker. 14 years ago. 14 years ago yesterday, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it was January. It was January after signing, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. I, think yeah. It was the I remember I played Barks at squash. We were on a, a management course and I beat him at squash. And he, the look he gave me after I beat him, I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to get a right hand off of me. Because he's, well, he, he's got that look in his eyes sometimes. Like, that <laughs> sort of like, I didn't expect that and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> but he might not have been there, you know, because because the, begin, sorry, the beginning of the season, I, um, I was very close having Danny Graham. And he's on deadline day in August. And it was 11 o'clock at night at a 12 o'clock deadline. 11 o'clock at night, he decided to go to Carlisle. So I've been waiting all that time to get somebody in. And I thought I got him tied up, agent tied up, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, it went dead and went quiet. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was 11 o'clock. I managed to get hold and said, I've decided to go to Carlisle. I fucking cheers. I could have been in bar fucking three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, it was one of the things. But, so he, he might not have been there, really. But um, it's funny how things work out, isn't it? Um, there's another question that I'd seen on uh, on social media was, um, did you have? Can you remember the conversation you had, if you had one, with Neil Coop after the Bristol City? Because if you were Bristol City manager in that epic semi final where everything went on, didn't it, Mickey? Uh, I know you didn't last the full <laughs> twenty minutes at the end, but what what a game of football! And there's that wow. shot here of Neil Cooper sort of can't quite believe what's happened. The new come and shake his hand. Did you have a conversation with him after the game? Well, you, you you can have a you can have a you know a few words. I don't think I don't think you know when you're in that position of of Neil that you want any conversation. You, yeah. You're just you're just completely stunned. I mean, we've come out we've come from back from the dead. You know, we get two goals in, in the last few minutes of a game. You know, we're we're out of the you know we're out of it at home. You know, in the playoffs. So um, you know, from that perspective, great from our point of view, absolutely ecstatic. You know, because you know but that's how you would feel. You'd be up there like you know, but to be on the receiving end of it. Um, I, I can't remember what I said to Neil. It's something he said. I just, I just said, it's just, that's unbelievable. You, you didn't deserve that. And they didn't. You know, he could have gone to another game quite easily or, or extra time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a one hell of a humdinger game. I know that. A great game. Yeah. I remember being in the training ground, Danny, and, and it had Sky Sports, you know, the classics on, the, on oh, yeah. the reruns. And it was Bobby Robson's first game. And I'll, I'll never forget it because... Um, I was like, oh, I remember this game. Chef Wing got absolutely battered <laughs> yeah. this game. Was it 7-1 or 7-0? Eight. And you just, was it? And you just turned around and went, yeah, no, I know, Mickey, I was a manager. 8 0 Skimmer got five. Yeah, I remember. No, it was, it was five, Bobby man. Robson's first game, was it? His first game back on North, on the North East, yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah. never forget it. I was so happy watching the yeah. goals go in and he just turned around and went, yeah, I was a manager. <laughs> I was so happy as well watching them goals go in. I can remember my <laughs> 
Danny, it's been such a pleasure catching up with you. Really yeah, you as well. Thanks, boys. Good times. Honestly, the, you know, looking it. back on all of those. Um, we won promotion on my birthday that year. That's all. In 2007, yeah. April yeah. 14th at Wickham. It was my birthday. Was that your yeah. 40th? It was before you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best birthday ever, though. What a, what a couple of scenes it was. But, Mark, just before we, we, we wrap this up, just sort of, again, sort of the type of person Danny is. I remember when Danny left, I used to, to have a few conversations with him and speak to him on the phone, just about general life and stuff like that. And I used to go upstairs and make the phone calls in the house you used to live at the time. And I used to come downstairs and, and my wife used to turn around when you've been on the phone to Danny, haven't you? And I was like, how do you know? And she went, do you know what I can tell? Because the way you come off the phone, you're more positive, you're happy, you've got that spring in your step. And I think, it, it, I don't want to say it's a credit to Danny because I feel like I'm condescending you, but to have that effect on people as a, as a manager or as a person, I think it's something that I, I hope I could do to other people. Do you know what I mean? And I'll Very never forget, she, she always used to say, you've been on the phone to Danny because you're just a different person when you come off. And I think that... From my perspective, that's a, a real good manager and a real good person. So I'd like that's to, right. to thank you for, for your time working with us as well, Danny. You well, don't often mate. you don't often get the chance to to say a thank you or I say how much you enjoyed it, the managers, because as you say, you're off and you're elsewhere and you don't catch up that often. But uh, no, it, it was a pleasure and, and, and it was successful. So great times. Mickey, Mickey, all I said, and, and, and I said to you at the time, and I'll say it now, it's a, when you're with good pros, it's easy. It's easy. You, you, your job is so much easier, better, more enjoyable when you can be good pros. And that's what you were. So I had never had a minute's problem with you. And that's why I think after all these years, you still pick the phone up and it's things like yesterday, which I think yeah, is a bit like... It does, yeah. Definitely. Great. Absolutely brilliant. Mickey, what a, what a couple of hours that was. I think maybe um, speaking to Danny there, so good to speak. Well, I haven't had a good conversation with him probably for years, you know, and it's just amazing to, to reminisce like that. Yeah, brilliant. As I said, nothing surprised me with Danny. You know what you're going to get with him. He's a genuinely nice person, brilliant football manager, but brilliant man manager as well. The, the way he used to handle the players and, and even speaking to him now, you know, you get that sense of he's going to give you a little bit of wisdom at some point that you can use further down the line, either in your life or in football. And uh, just a nice person to be around. And I think um, we can all learn a lot from him, you know. He, he, he's quite a positive person as well. He, he he doesn't like things that are negative to come close to him at all. And, uh, and and it's a shame that he's not involved in football anymore. You wish he was involved in passing on his sort of wisdom to other people. Um, no, I brilliant want to come back with. I know I, I sent you a message and I've said it to you before, Mick, but, you know, doing this podcast and the reaction it had from people, you know, back during the first lockdown was one of the things that, that helped me through not just the lockdown, but a pretty traumatic time in my life as well. So yeah, thanks for reprising the role with me this evening. And, uh... Well, it's, it's it, Mark, you know I love to talk anyway, and, and obviously we're really good friends, and, and to get people on that you've spent a lot of time with. But like you said, I've not spoken to Danny for a couple of years, and, and I haven't seen him at any games. So it's, it's really nice, and um, as I say, I know what a tough period it was for you. I've been there myself, and, and I know... Um, you, you just want to talk sometimes and, and have a laugh and forget about what's going on in the world. And I think with a lockdown situation as well, it, it helped everyone at the time. And and to be honest, it, it's almost got a new celebrity as well because my fridge is getting sponsors going on. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been offers to go on trial places. It's been offered 
my missus wanted to change him. I was like, there's no way we can get him out of the fridge. It's, it's, I'm, I'm thinking about setting up its own Twitter page to see if it gets him. Somebody will already have done that. Or they will have by the time we watch this back. Yeah, and I would open it up to show you what's inside, but we haven't had a shop delivered, so I won't let it fall again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mickey, uh, you know, look after yourself, and everyone listening, watching, please look after yourself. We, you know, we we we've come back with this one. Who knows what's around the corner? We'll see if there's this time or the scope to do anything else. But yeah. we just want to come back and say, you know, put it, put a little bit of um, smiles on people's faces again at the beginning of the lockdown. Beginning of the yeah, day. definitely. And as I say, people got to understand how hard it is for yourself mainly that how long it takes. But if there, if there are any other guests that people would like to mention or that we haven't had on, yeah. or, uh, just let us know. And, and as I say, when we get time, we'll try and do something. And um, as I say, just keep it running because I, I know people do enjoy it, or most people. Well, Happy New Year to everyone and to you, Mickey, and we'll see you next time.